Energy connected with exceptional minds It's a healing in my soul, the feeling divine Dark rooms in my psyche, I turn into shrines All the haters' comments, I turn into rhymes Read it back and it said, ah, never mind Redirecting this radiant thought process To things more meaningful, I'm focused on progress It's selective commentary that I digest Only needs to be constructive or it's nonsense Nowadays seem to speak from my conscience Submerged in this rap world, directing this content To whomever have goals to accomplish This energy welcomes you to be one with Opportunity for you to have fun if You let go, feel free, and you love this Yep, the vibe Hi everyone, and welcome back to the Dimensional Dreams podcast This is your host, Dini And I am so glad to be here with you today exchanging energy i'm just i'm i'm feeling really good today so i hope that you can feel that i hope that it fills you with some excitement and um that you know i can share some of that uh good vibration um so today i'm actually doing the podcast in real time today um some of the podcasts that i do uh sometimes it takes me a while to sort of um put them out to figure out you know, in that space and time, um, what's like the best method of putting it out there. So um, today the podcast is going to be set up a little bit differently, of course. Um, And initially, like this specific dream experience and things like that, I literally have been trying to put out for like, I've done it, like redone it at least like eight times. It's so crazy. And I'm just kind of coming to the conclusion because when things like just don't go how I think they're supposed to go or there's delays or I have to redo it, um, I find that, you know, it it kind of has to do with how it shows up in the world and maybe like the best um, way to put it out there. And so I'm guessing that in order for me to actually get it out there, um, I'm just going to talk about it. And then I'll just mention very casually a few things connected to it. But I feel like even though this dream is talking about me and my experience in the dream time, sometimes I do feel like I'm representing the collective or I'm representing, um, you know, other people. So I I do kind of want to say that because these are my dream time, my dream time experiences. um, And most of the time I am there, but I do feel like Sometimes I'm representative of the collective or, you know, specific people, or I'm just seeing a perspective on what's going on in life. So I'm assuming that this dream has multiple different layers of reality um, for a few different people. So like I said, I'm going to talk about it and then I'm just going to give like some keywords to kind of look into and see, I guess, how it resonates in your life. Um, yeah, I, I'm just going to do that because I've tried to do it with the tarot message. It didn't really work out. I've tried to do like an extended, you know, kind of explanation of what it's talking about and that didn't work out. Um, and it's even weird because sometimes 
I thought I did put it out on the podcast and I actually didn't. It was like the weirdest thing. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. So anyways, yeah, it's, it's very strange. So I'm just going to talk about it and then I'm just going to just encourage you to just look into some certain uh, keywords and aspects and see how it resonates in your life. Okay. So... This dream, and I'm going to say this before we get started, that the main energy that this dream is talking about, I believe, is the Epic of Gilgamesh. Um, The Epic of Gilgamesh is very uh, densely packed with a lot of information. And one thing that I will say on top of that is, uh, you know, these old stories that people get their information from, that they get their wisdom from. I have found, you know, through um, guidance and different things like that, that it's, it's really a good idea to actually go and read the stories for yourself to get a perspective because every person, you know, even if they're writing an article, even if they're a historian, even if, you know, they speak the language, you know, of these ancient texts or know how to speak the language, um, an interpretation is not the same thing as reading it for yourself because you are your own uh, specific aspect of God and you have certain experiences and what is written um it has a dualistic nature in that there are things that the collective as a whole understands, and then you as your own personal experience, what it's also talking about and pointing to as well. Um, so, you know, like uh, Metamorphosis by, uh, who is that by? Ovid? Is it Ovid? You know, um, Homer, you know, in his epics and stuff. It's good to like read them for yourself, especially the Medusa story, but I'm not going to get into that right now. Um, But if you go and read them for yourself, um, you get a much deeper perspective and certain things, you might put it together in a different way and get a different conclusion than what most people get. Because I find, especially with older texts and things like that, people usually sort of put in their mind what other people have said. And so if you look up certain things, you know, like Poseidon and Medusa, right? And you've never really heard of them before. Let's say like you're in high school or something and you're, you know, looking at Greek mythology stories and everyone has the same story. And so you assume that that is what the story was. And so you're reading different articles that are expounding on the same story that might not have actually read the specific story itself, um, and so I'm just kind of pushing that idea out there um, because that's really important, especially when we talk about the Epic of Gilgamesh. Um, and I'm not going to get into it too much today, but the Epic of Gilgamesh touches on a few key topics um, that definitely are still impactful in our world today, like um, the Kadistu, Kadeshas, um, who were the sacred prostitutes in Babylon, um, in Babylon and Sumer, I'll just say Mesopotamia, um, sacred prostitutes, because I can't remember if it was just Babylon or just Samaria or just Mesopotamia, I can't quite remember, but when you look it up, you'll realize what I'm talking about. Um, she's also called Ketesh, um, 
But I think that the higher octave of this archetype um, is Kadistu, K-A-D-I-S-T-U, and you'll you'll find Kadistu, um, you know, which is sort of a play on the quote-unquote horror of Babylon. Um, but there's a very big misunderstanding around um, sacred prostitution. Um, like in my heart of hearts, I know that uh, sacred prostitution, this act of prostitution did not start with sexual encounters. It wasn't initially a sexual exchange. Um, you know, to prostrate yourself is to be able to, um, um, in a sense, to, uh, what, what's a good word to describe that? Uh, to take a submissive a submissive action towards an energy in order to channel it. And so initially this archetype of the sacred oracle um, did not involve um, sexual energy. You know, a lot of people confuse sexual energy with like creation energy and like really high vibrational energy. Um, and then, of course, for some reason in this reality, a lot of things devolve over time. Um, it's like it starts out really high vibe, and then it just like d- becomes degenerate. It's very, it's very strange. But, anyways, that is a really big topic, <laughs> um, especially um, using sexual energy as an enlightenment tool. Is very interesting in here. Um, you hear about the Anunnaki, um, Anunnaki, Anua, Anus, Shining Ones um, are here. You hear about the first Noah story with, I do not know how to pronounce this man's name, but Utenepish. <laughs> when you look into it, you'll know who I'm talking about. You know, this quest for um, overcoming death. You know, there's a lot of humans that are really afraid of death um, and will go uh, to any length to preserve their life force energy, voodoo. um, Certain, you know, misguided practitioners of voodoo um, definitely portray this, you know, selling their soul, selling other people's lives, you know, to preserve theirs and to keep them from death. Um, uh, You know, they touch on this in here and they touch on the hero's journey, you know, this uh, mainly philanthropic, uh, philanthropic, is that, is it philanthropic? philanthropic, you know what I'm saying, like this, you know, um, journey of self-discovery and pushing your limits to achieve a goal in order to help out others um, that's not just yourself, and of course it's not like 100% altruistic, of course, because you are a person, and so of course it benefits you you know, as well. But that's a really big theme in here. Um, And altered states of consciousness. And that's kind of like a little bit of a spoiler alert, but altered states of consciousness is also a very big um, key in the epic of Gilgamesh. So at the end of it, I'll kind of like tell you why I'm talking about the epic of Gilgamesh, because it it might not be if you um, have not read this book or 
heard too much about it. It might not be um, obvious at first. Um, and still to a certain degree, I'm not exactly sure how it's put together, but I know that that's what it's connected to. Is that a good much? All right. So with all of that said, <laughs> with all of that said, y'all, let's get into this time. So in this dream, I woke up and I was back in a memory from right before high school. So in this memory right before high school, um, I was um, going to a shoe store to get my shoes for high school. And we had very specific shoes. They were Saddle Oxfords, white and black shoes. They look like bowling shoes. <laughs> um, and they were, from what I remember, now I'm not saying that this is the truth because, you know, I was only myself in this reality. So as much as I remember and the questions I knew to ask, as much as I know, they were narrow shoes and my feet are wide, um, which I would learn in adulthood that I was not getting shoes that fit my feet because my feet are not narrow and they're not regular. They are wide. Um, Especially during pregnancy, I realized that they were after pregnancy considered extra wide they're starting to kind of like shrink down but that's not the point anyways that's not the point the point is that in this memory I felt like I couldn't get any shoes to fit my feet and it was weird because in my mind um I sort of started to have this realization to some kind of degree that in this reality, things are not catered to me, that I'm going to have to make do with what they have because the natural production of things and how things are made does not have me in mind. Um, And this theme kind of also um, went into high school and a little bit before that, you know, um, I was a very developed child And so um, I always would find that shirts didn't quite fit me, you know, uh, comfortably. You know, shorts didn't always fit me quite comfortably. I always felt a little bit out of my element in what I was wearing. Um, And so, you know, it just seemed like overall that, you know, um, clothing in general (laughs) just wasn't quite constructed with me and mine. And I say me, but I'm, you know, kind of also talking about just, you know, maybe um, certain people with certain genetics in general, you know, but it just didn't seem like it was fit for me. It was more fit for more slender, athletic type of people. Um, and I, I'm just not that type of build, you know. Um, and so in this dream, though, I was back in this situation but instead of me going to high school I was actually just getting out of college and I was getting saddle oxfords for whatever reason for a job <laughs> that, like I had a uniform for my job um, and in this version of the story um, my shoes fit perfectly my shoes fit perfectly my outfit fit perfectly um, and I felt really, really, really prepared because the next day was going to be my job. And my shoes were like the last thing that I needed 
for my uniform to be able to do my job. And so I was really excited about it. I was really happy. And I felt in my element. I felt comfortable in my clothes. Um, I felt prepared for this job. Um, So I was really excited. And so then in the dream, I go home. um, And my parents are there with me. um, And you know, um, they're like going to be in the house together, you know, to see me off to work for the next day. And so my mom was cooking and we're like in this apartment and stuff and I'm eating food and it's really, really delicious. And then my mom's like, go take a bath so that you can be prepared for tomorrow. And so I go and take a bath and, um, I get into the bathtub and then I get out, I got my baby oil. Like I'm, I'm not ashy. I'm, moisturized (laughs) you know I've got clean sheets on the bed and they're really fresh smelling and my room is perfectly clean and you know just everything is just in order and pristine you know and I'm just thriving in it I've got my wonderful red silk pajamas you know and like I'm like 25 or something in this dream you know but I'm like I got my jammies on you know I've got my Silk feels so wonderful on my moisturized skin. I'm gonna lay down in my deliciously comfortable um, bed that's you know memory foam and totally uh, you know um, uh, what what's the word I was gonna say contoured to me contoured that's not the right word though but you know like yeah 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 right it contours to your body perfectly contoured is that is that a word is that a thing. Uh, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, and so I'm just feeling it, you know, there's no stains on my carpet, like, my, my bed doesn't have any nicks and stuff, like, you know, and I'm just, like, really getting into the energy, because clearly that's not what I experience now, like, if you have kids, like, <laughs> it's not pristine, and it hardly ever is going to be pristine, they're small kids, though, so they're getting older every day, you know, but my Virgo rising just yearns for perfection. And in this dream, it was giving me perfection. You know, my mom was cooking. We're having a good conversation. I got to take my bath. You know, very simple day-to-day things that just help the quality of my mind um, just be at ease and just focus on the task at hand. And so anyway, so I get into bed. I'm all snuggly and comfortable and I fall right asleep. Um, you know, and I'm watching myself as I'm going to sleep and I watch my mom and she, you know, puts my uniform, you know, I have this cute little bench at the um, foot of my bed and she puts my uniform perfectly folded there. And then my saddle oxfords, you know, my undergarments, my socks, everything is prepared. So in the morning, all I have to do is brush my hair. You know, I've got my scarf on my head to make sure that my hair is really nice for the next day. All I have to do is brush my teeth, wake up, and go to my job, you know, (laughs) yay, you know, really excited, like, and I'm, like, super an adult, I'm, like, an independent woman, I've got my job, and, you know, like, I don't have to pay, you know, rent just yet, my mom was perfectly fine with me staying home, I don't have to pay rent just yet, I can save some money, I can, you know, help her out, I can save for my own apartment, my own house, You know, I was just living the life, like really being taken care of, living life, having fun. Um, And then I woke up in the morning and there was like a slight thought, very slight. And I was like, I wonder what my job is. 
Because this whole time, my mom and dad had like lined me up with this job. I didn't know what it was, but they had put in a word with someone to get me a job or something. And so I was just going with it. I was just excited to have a job, you know, and my thought, you know, I didn't really think about it because, you know, I was like, my parents know, excuse me, they know what I went to school for. They know, you know, so of course they got me a job that's probably in my field. You know, I just didn't have to worry about anything. Um, but there's like a slight thought of like, what is, what am I doing? You know, and I do have to say, and I am going to interject it here because it's going to be relevant for the rest of the dream too. Um, but I do have to say that this version of myself was a very green, a very, very green version of myself. It was very much, um, you know, more of an, um, idealistic version of myself um you know like uh in my natal chart I have um Chiron in the 12th house of Pisces and so (laughs) with like a Virgo rising and um and also like having Lilith who I feel like sort of kind of rolls over Pisces and Capricorn a little bit um in the 6th house of Virgo which is like the opposite sign of Pisces um, it's very difficult for me to get lost in any type of illusions. Like, even if I try, I really can't, you know? It's like I, I can never go too far into an illusion before it becomes a choice. And it's like, you know where this is going to go. And I'm like, yeah, but I can just, you know, can I just do this? They're like, yeah, you can do it for a little while longer, but you already know that this is how it's going to go. And so the longer that you wait is the longer you're going to, harm yourself I just want you to know that at this point we have told you how it's going to go and so if you continue to do it you are every day inching towards chaos and destruction like yeah but I just want to but are you sure because there's all these different possibilities and they're like no this is 90% of how it's going to go there's always room for you know drastic spontaneous change but pretty much we've looked at the timeline and this is pretty much how it's gonna go so anyways I'm just saying that to say it was almost like in this dream that like I didn't have that placement and I could really be lost in the illusion because I never asked questions I just went along with everything and so um (laughs) and so I'm like getting dressed you know and I'm putting on my uniform and I noticed that you know it's like another little bit of something that crosses my mind and I'm like this uniform looks like a mechanic slash prisoner jumpsuit slash computer technician sort of situation going on here like what am I doing because in this dream I went to school and um I had finished law school so um I was able to practice um uh, I think I was I think I was gonna be a paralegal. I think that's what I was gonna do. I don't know if I was planning to actually go full throttle with being a lawyer and then going to be a judge and stuff, but I was just gonna be a paralegal. And so I was like, this is definitely not like law clothes. So what am I doing in these clothes? And then I just kind of waved it off and I was just like, oh whatever, we'll just see what goes on. Cause maybe it's just a temporary thing, maybe it's you know, I don't know, but I'm sure it'll be fine. And so I put on my uniform and I'm like, you know, eating my breakfast and I'm waiting because there's also a van to pick me up to go to my job. So I didn't need a car. 
I didn't need to drive anywhere. Everything was perfectly set up for me to have it exactly how I wanted, exactly how it needed to go. So they were going to come pick me up and bring me to my job and then bring me home. And so I'm like, this is awesome. <laughs> like this, this adult thing is pretty easy, you know? And so I eat my breakfast and then like I hear the van beep outside. And so um, I go outside and there's a van that pulls up, a white van, you know? And I'm like looking at it and there's nothing on the van, which I also for like a second thought that was weird. I'm like, there's no logo on the van it's very non-descriptive um and I thought it was weird you know clearly in this timeline I'd be like hell no I'm not about to get in that van like what are they hiding you know very suspicious but in this reality I was like that's weird (laughs) huh that's weird you know and so anyways this this white guy gets out and he's got like he looks like the orchid man you know like a bug exterminator or something um, and like I said, he didn't have a logo or anything on, but his uniform reminded me of the Orchid Man. You know, the hard hat, you know, kind of construction, kind of bug exterminator guy. And so I'm like, now I'm looking at my uniform, which I was in tan. I was in white, I was in tan. And I was like, uh, what did they sign me up for? Because I don't, I don't do construction work. <laughs> You know, like, on so many different levels, it's like, I have never had to work with my hands. Oh my gosh, what did they have me doing? Because I have never in my life had to do hard work in the sun. I know nothing about construction. You know, like, I'm like, what do they have me doing? (laughs) I'm like, I'm a woman. I'm... I don't know how to build things and all that kind of stuff. Like, what does this guy want me to do? He's got the wrong person. And so in my head, I'm just like getting a little bit more curious. Clearly, I'm out of my element. I'm like getting a little bit more curious. And I'm like, okay, well, clearly he probably knows. Like, I'm doing all this assuming. I'm like, clearly he probably knows that I have not did any heavy lifting in my life. I'm not an outside girl. I'm an air-conditioned baby. Um, I don't know what he's expecting, but I'm like, okay, maybe I'm going there to go work in an office or something. And, like, the office experience is going to help me with the paralegal, you know, talking to people, like, some hands-on experience or something. And I'm like, ah, I'm not going to worry about it. We'll just see how it goes. And so then he opens up the door, and he has, like, this clipboard. And he, like, he's like, you know, your name's Tashandra. I'm like, yep. And he checked my name off of a list, and he's like, all right, get in the van. So he opens the van for me, um, which I thought was a very gentleman-like. And there's, like, all these women in the back of the van, like, with the same uniform and everything, looking confused, too. And I'm like, where are the men who are going to be doing the construction? Because these are all women. And they're all, like, around my age, you know, young 20s, stuff like that. You know, everybody looked like they were kind of confused and not exactly sure what was going on. And so I'm like, okay, this is weird. So again, I'm just like, whatever. So the van starts driving and, you know, we were living in a city. So we're definitely in a city, like a, you know, bustling city. And so we're in the van and we're driving and driving and driving. Um, And next thing I know, it just started looking real country. Um, and for some reason, I felt like the city I was living in was like Philadelphia or something. 
But all of a sudden, it felt like I was in Louisiana. And in this dream, I couldn't quite remember my connection to Louisiana. So I was kind of confused as to why we went to Louisiana. You know, like it'd be like me right now, like taking a trip to Maine. You know, even though in waking life, I live in Maine. <laughs> like in the dream, like I was not connected to Louisiana and I didn't know my connection to Louisiana. But I knew in my head, I was like, why are we in Louisiana? Um, and we're like in some really rural part, like, you know, like those kind of places where you're like really off the beaten path and you don't know how people even remember certain landmarks because it's, you know, like these dirt roads that lead to this place, lead to that place. And you're just like, how do they find this place? It was the, that kind of space. And so now I'm getting a little bit antsy, which is a new feeling for me. <laughs> Usually everything is really predictable and, you know, um, I, you know, don't have to worry about anything, but I'm starting to feel anxious. And now I'm like, where is this guy taking us? You know, and I wasn't, it's kind of like interesting. It's not weird because I feel like this is how life should be. But it was kind of interesting because like I wasn't worried about him like kidnapping us and killing us and leaving us in the desert or something like that. But I was just like. What is his expectation of me? Because I don't, like, the more and more I'm riding along and just going with this, I think he's not the wrong person for the job. That was, like, my thought. Like, I'm going to have to quit this job because he's got expectations for me that I can't fulfill. I don't know what, what he wants me to do. Like, now I'm way out of my comfort zone. I have never lived... In these type of areas, I know nothing about it. Like, if people are calling and asking questions, I'm not going to be able to tell them anything. Just totally out of my element. And so we pull up literally to, like... (laughs) We pull up literally to, like, a patch of grass, child. (laughs) And it's not a patch, but it's, like, a field. Like, a field. Like, totally nondescript field, like, uh, nothing going on, like, the only thing I could see, like, in the way back was one of those old windmills, you know, with, like, the eight different, you know, I don't even know what they're called, but blades, I guess, and stuff, and then they got the connection, it kind of looks like a spider web in a, like, a very abstract type of way, you know, those really old windmills, like, but it was, like, way far back, like, it wasn't even in the town or place that we were in, but very non-descriptive, like, literally grass, and I'm, like, oh, okay, now I'm really confused, and so he opens up the door, everybody files out, and he's, like, um, so we're gonna be working in this field today, (laughs) like, I'm about to work out, like, I'm highly confused, so, What I did notice, though, is that there was a fence, okay? So there's, like, a big, huge field of grass, and there was a fence. And on the side that was closest to the road where we were, the grass was, like, yellow, dying, you know, patchy. Like, you know, nobody was taking care of it, which I kind of expected. However, on the other side... Of the gra- uh, of the fence, I noticed that the grass was the grass, the grass was a little bit elevated. Like the land was a little bit elevated, and the grass was like immaculate, like it was fertile. It was like 
something that you would like want to go roll in like it looks so luscious and full and dewy and you know and I was like a little bit confused I'm like why are they taking care of that grass over there but not this grass over here I'm like and what interest do they have in the grass behind the fence like who comes out to the middle of nowhere to like take care of a patch of grass randomly so I'm still confused I'm like okay I don't know what's going on here I'm not going to try to guess what's going on here I'm just going to let him talk so he starts talking he's like we're going to work on this side of the fence until lunch and then um, depending on what we find out here um, I'll let you know what we do after lunch and so I'm like okay sounds simple enough so he proceeds to give us the instructions and he's splitting everyone up into groups of three in different parts of this, this you know, we'll call it a field because it was big. It wasn't quite a field, but, you know, the front part of it, at least the back part was definitely a field. It was like a lot of acres of land, but the front part, not so much. So anyway, so we get split up into different groups. And I noticed that um, most of these girls were like all different ethnicities. You know, like, some might have been the same ethnicity, you know, like, you know, overall, you know, African-Americans or, you know, East Asian women, West Asian women, you know, but they all looked different from each other. Um, and I mean, people look different from each other in general, you know, most of the time, but there, I don't know how to describe it, but there's like very distinct features about everyone to where nobody looked necessarily like they were in the same family (laughs) I thought that that was very interesting you know so I got split up into my group and he was letting us know that we're going to get some tools in order to dig into the ground and when we dig into the ground we're going to be replacing Kuiper pipe uh Kuiper okay Kuiper um copper pipes that reminds me of the Kuiper belt I wonder if that was like a Freudian slip. No, Freud was weird. Floyd, Floyd, Floyd. Okay, okay. Freud. (laughs) Freud. Okay. Freud was weird. There we go. Like, weird, weirdo. But anyways, Freudian slip, because I guess that was also kind of a Freudian slip. Anyways, I'm not going to get into that. But anyways, so... He was like, I'm going to give you shovels and we're going to be turning the copper pipes. We're going to be replacing them with plastic pipes. And the way that he said it sounds simple enough. So I was like, okay, sure. I can dig into the ground and replace piping, you know? And I assumed it was like water piping or something. Even though I didn't see a water tower anywhere. But I was like, okay, cool, I guess. That's a thing. So we get to digging and stuff like that. And um, I noticed like... Off to the side of where I was, there was like a really old piece of looking um, something. Like it looked like very worn down. I don't actually know exactly what the material was, but like a building had been there or a slab had been there. And like literally the only thing that was left was like this little piece of whitish kind of rock or something. Um, so in my mind, I was like, oh, there must have been some kind of structure here before. And I guess they're going to be building, like rebuilding on it or something. And so I'm digging and digging and digging. And then it was so weird because all of a sudden now 
this is very wild because this happens to me all the time in this life, but not in that life. All of a sudden, I'm digging and depending on where I'm digging. So I haven't gotten down to the depths yet to even see pipes. I'm just digging, like breaking dirt, breaking ground. But I noticed that, you know, I'm like kind of digging in different spots to kind of like, you know, get, you know, get the grass up. But there are certain spots that I move over and I'm starting to feel a little bit dizzy. And then in another spot, I feel okay. And so I kind of noticed that because I'm like, am I feeling nauseous or what's going on here? Then all of a sudden, I kid you not, in the dream, because I'm looking at myself, right, as I'm digging and I'm kind of sort of looking out of my eyes, but kind of sort of not quite. But then I see, I mean, I hear outside of myself a female voice, (laughs) And I, low-key in my mind, get to freaking out. And, like, in my mind, I'm, like, running around screaming. But, in like, in the world, though, I was like, okay, I can't do that. Like, but this is very surreal and weird. And I don't know what in the world is happening in my life right now. <laughs> but this female voice comes through. And she sounds like an older version of me. Like, an older, wiser, calmer version of me. Like, a grandmother version of me. And she's like, you are the copper. And I'm just like, okay. Like, I'm like, I'm pretty sure I'm human and I'm female, but copper is definitely a new one. I wouldn't quite consider myself a chemical, a metal, you know, that's not quite what I would consider myself. And so I'm like, what, what, what is this voice talking about, you know? And so I'm like, low-key freaking out, I'm like, clearly me working at this job has already, you know, I'm like, the sun has clearly got me delirious and I'm already experiencing signs of schizophrenia. Literally, I'm probably going crazy. And the voice is just like kind of ignoring my frenzy. And it's like, (laughs) she's like, you are the copper. I'm like, "Uh, okay. (laughs) All right. I, I am the copper. I'm like, maybe that's a mantra or something. I am the copper. Maybe it's going to help me to like dig up these pipes and like get the job done. Maybe it's a mantra. And so I'm digging and I'm digging and I get to the pipes. Finally, I get to the pipes and I notice that the pipes are already plastic. And not only are they plastic, but they're brand new pipes. Like, and it's funny because living in New Orleans, like, my whole entire life, and then, you know, when I became an adult and, you know, living in different homes, um, I've seen piping. Um, and this was pristine piping. Like, I didn't even know that pipes could look this pristine. They were brand new, pristine, white, plastic pipes. Now, how the pipes got there, I don't know the story because I know that they had not broken the ground. So, but in my mind, I wasn't quite putting that together. But this other aspect of me that I was watching was putting that together. So I'm like, how did they even get the piping down here? Because they didn't break ground to do it. And I'm like, that's a weird illusion of like making me think that we're touching untouched soil, but they clearly have been down here already recently. Like, pristine. Like, they had to put it in, like, 
not that long ago because there wasn't even dirt on top of it or anything. It was pristine plastic piping. It was so weird. And so as I'm digging, I'm like, okay, maybe they already started here. You know, because certain things in reality, it's so surreal and weird. And you know that like it's impossible, but you start telling yourself ridiculous stories to like make it seem possible. And so I'm like, okay, I guess they already started. Even though the earth was not touched, I'm like, I guess they already started, which technically they did, but I couldn't, I don't know how, which now thinking about it, there's probably some underground tunnels or something like that, but I didn't know about that in this reality. And so I'm like, okay. And again, I hear the voice say, you are the copper. And so this time when she says it, I'm looking at the piping and I notice that there's little specks of something within the plastic. It's not just plastic. There's like little specks of something, some type of metal or something in the piping. And so, um, and it's not copper. It's like a silvery color. So, you know, like maybe titanium or aluminum or I don't know, something. Um, And where there's more concentrated speckles. So it wasn't a whole lot of speckles. It was very easily missable, but... If you saw it with the sun hitting it, it did seem to sparkle like just a tad bit. And there are certain areas where I guess that, you know, it wasn't poured, I guess, in a plastic molding or something like perfectly. So there was some that had a little bit more concentration of sparkles in different places. And so those were the spots where I was starting to feel like woozy. And again, she was like, you are the copper And something started to hit me and I was like, oh my gosh, what are they looking for? And why are they trying to cause a reaction in our bodies? What are they down here looking for? That's when it started to turn up, child. And so like two of the like the other two girls that were with me, they came over to where I was. And it's like everybody is starting to realize that the the pipes are already plastic. And so the guy comes over and um, he sees that I'm kind of woozy and stuff. And he's like, um, so let's just take a break. Let's go ahead and do lunch and stuff. And then I'll give everybody instructions. And so we're eating lunch. And next thing I know, um, there he's like, uh, I want you to get up and go by the fence. The fence that's separating like the not that great grass from the luscious grass so he was like you go by the fence and I'm like okay cool so I go by the fence and I noticed that he there's two other girls over there one is like an Asian woman um and one uh, well they're both Asian technically speaking they're both Asian but one woman looks like she's more um what's like the correct term you know like maybe Chinese or something like that um I, I want to say specifically probably Chinese Um, And then the other woman looked like she was Indian, you know, maybe South Indian. And so they were standing over there, and I went over there, and everybody else got sent home. And so at this point, I'm like, oh, okay, it's getting kind of weird. I'm like, why did he just send away our ride home? And so he comes back over there with his hard hat and his, uh, you know, clipboard or whatever. And um, he's like okay, we're going to go on the other side of the fence now. So I'm like, okay, what are we doing? And he doesn't answer my question. Like he totally ignores and act like I did not ask a question. And so I'm like, that's weird. And so (laughs) he's like, yeah, just so all of it, like I promise you, and this is another thing in reality, I was just like, I 
guess all of a sudden there's a door to this gate because I promise you when I first looked at the gate there was no opening to the gate so when he first initially said it I was like I guess we're gonna have to jump over it or like I mean like you wouldn't necessarily have to climb because it wasn't super tall but I, I was trying to figure out like is the gate all the way down somewhere but next thing I know there was a gate and door I mean on on the fence and I was just like Okay, maybe I guess it's been here the whole time and I just didn't see it. <laughs> I guess it's just been here the whole time and I just am just now realizing it, you know? <laughs> Mandela effect. <laughs> so I'm like, wait, wait, hold on a second. Or maybe he's just a master of illusion. I don't know. But I was just like, okay, I'm just going to pretend like that's normal. <laughs> and so we open the gate and literally as I'm about to put my foot on the ground as I'm about to put my foot on the ground immediately I'm in a space where there's desert just like that it's a desert and I'm like whoa wait so I'm trying to like gather my mind and I'm like whoa 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 where wait whoa what was I doing where was I where am I now What's going on? Wait, hold on. Why? How did I get to the desert? What am I doing in the desert? How long have I been in the desert? There's desert, okay? And the two other girls are with me. And so the Chinese girl is on my left. And the South Indian woman is on my right. And uh, we're there. And I can't quite remember where we just came from. But I know that we, like, I didn't feel like we had been walking in the desert. So I'm like, what? Where am I? So the next thing I know, there's literally this humongous, giant rectangle indention in the middle of the desert. And there's like descending stairs that go to the bottom of this rectangle. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, why is there a bath in the middle of the desert? And why is it so dry? I don't know how to describe it. It was almost like I was like remembering. I'm like, why is it so dry? And so we all three just start walking down the stairs. And as we're walking down the stairs, it's filling up with water. And so I'm like, yeah, why is it dry why is there sand out here where is the grass where are the trees the palm trees where where's the vegetation where's the livestock where's what is going on and so we're literally walking through the water and we're about chest deep into it and the next thing i know there's like another zap of consciousness or something. I don't know how to describe it. But now we're back in Louisiana on the fertile grass, okay? And so I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Where'd the bath go? What is going on? And again, I'm sort of like, my brain is like frazzled. And so I'm like re reorganizing it, you know? Like reorganizing it. You know, it's kind of like, it was like being scrambled a little bit, like a radio frequency, you know, like when, when like you turn the station and then it's like scrambled and you have to find the right station again. It was kind of like that. It was like, like I had to retune my brain to the reality. And so I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. 
But this time, when we're back on the grass, there are three beings standing in front of us. And I about passed out in this dream, okay? There's three beings standing in front of us. So in front of the Chinese woman, there is a jet black man. I'm going to call him the obsidian man. The deepest black that I have ever seen in life. Like he was like a, like a perfectly statue, like a perfectly jet black statue. Like looking at him, it was like the most odd reality in and of itself looking at him move like like in life or something because <laughs> his color was just he almost didn't look real like it was like the weirdest thing and he had these yellow like cat-like eyes which was like just wild and he was in like this kind of like um very formal like it kind of reminded me like wakanda like all black um, he had this silver triangle, and I feel like it was a water triangle, because the water, no, 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 wait, is the water triangle up, or is that, or, wait, hold on, is the, let, let me look at alchemical symbols, because for some reason, I do feel like it was alchemical symbol, you know, we have, like, these basic, you know, shapes and stuff like that, but, you know, in different systems, they represent them in different ways, but I feel like this is an alchemical, it was an alchemical reference, alchemical symbol for water okay yeah okay water because it was an upside down triangle alchemical symbol for quintessence no for water upside down triangle yeah because it's kind of like a really esoteric um representation of the heart um yeah, so he had that, like, around his neck, and then he had, like, some silver embellishments around, like, his arms and stuff, but he was in a very formal, uh, a very formal um, uh, attire, but it wasn't quite an attire. It was, like, a, you know how every culture has their, like, best clothing that represents their culture, um, you know, almost like royalty, but, you know, it was something very royal and formal about it. Um, and it was black, but it was a different type of black from him. Like, I don't know how to describe it. But also, um, he had a very calm demeanor. And he was looking at the person in the middle who was facing me, of course. Um, and this guy, oh my gosh, this guy, like, even when I think about the dream, I can, like, really see him, like, still staring at me. But this guy looked like a traditional Mongolian warrior, okay? Um, a traditional Mongolian warrior. Um, his eyes were, like, a yellowish, reddish orange. Like, they almost looked like a representation of fire in his eyes. And he was so intense, and he was staring directly at me. And he would not break contact. And it was such a weird energy because I couldn't tell if, like, he was going to attack me or if he was, like, ready for something or, like, I didn't know how to interpret this energy. 
but he would he was making me so uncomfortable because he like like I'm telling you he was staring at me and he would not break eye contact even if I did I was like looking all around I'm like trying to look at anything else while I'm trying to figure out what the f is going on and he would not break contact he was just like laser beam focused on me and I'm like oh my gosh who is this and so the, like I said the that guy who was in front of the Asian woman was looking at him so that was on his right okay and so I'm like what in the world and you know like you know and specifically like I feel like it was like the Mongolian empire like with the Khan dynasty like that one specifically you know like the silver skirt kind of situation sort of thing with a little bit of maybe leather or some brown kind of leather or something like that but mostly metal sort of situation going on you know with the hat and you know and I was just like what is going on and so then in front of the South Indian woman who kind of transformed into like what we consider to be like a Caucasian woman um because then she like she started out and she was South Indian I'm pretty sure she was South Indian and then all of a sudden she was like Aryan looking you know like um you know blonde hair blue eyes Aryan looking and I was kind of like whoa (laughs) what and so in front of her was a Persian guy okay and the Persian guy was like the most normal uh human looking one excuse me like he had like a you know a very modern looking haircut um his eyes were like normal brown and there was still like an energy coming off of him. Like everybody had all of these men, because they were all men, had like a underlying, um, I guess that would be the right word, like aggression energy to them. Um, but the Persian guy felt like a very young energy, like a young man, like uh, maybe initiate, like learning this energy. Whereas the mer- Oh, I was about to say mercurial, which I'm going to get to that in a second. But the dark man was like the most seasoned, like a very, a much older, wiser man. And then the man in the middle was like in full rage. Uh, it was like a little bit too much anger behind it to be passion, you know, like he was like full rage mode. Um, so it's very weird because also the Persian guy was also looking at the Mongolian in the middle. And I don't know if they're like worried, like if he was just going to like, you know, I don't know. But but it was very interesting because, like I said, that guy, he looked Persian, which I guess, which is like ancient Iran. Um, <clears throat> but he didn't quite, and I want to be careful how I say that, um, he also phenotyped phenotypically which you know of course you know your phenotypical look like how you look on the outside does not necessarily speak to your genetics but I will say that he didn't quite look just Iranian like, I would say broadly Middle Eastern, maybe a little bit of, like, quote-unquote North African, more modern-day North African, you know? Um, there was definitely some mixture in there. And so, as I'm staring at them, and they're, like, telepathically, I feel like that's what they're doing, telepathically talking to each other, 
and like trying to break the gaze of this man standing in front of me. And also, I do want to say that they were all like ridiculously tall. Now, the modern guy um, who was on the right, he was probably closest to modern height, like six, seven, seven, you know, still considered tall, but you know, like still within a range of like we've seen that before. Um, but by far the Mongolian person and the um the obsidian man, um, they were definitely like eight foot, nine foot, ten foot tall. Like they were towering over us. And they weren't standing directly in front of us. That's how I know that they're really tall because they were like still a little bit of a distance away and they still look tall a little bit distance away. So I know if they were walking up on us, they would have been like towering over us. Um, and so as I'm staring at them, I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> it's funny because I was like, what is this white man doing? <laughs> like, it was like this wave of just heat of realization coming over like the front part of my body. And I was like, oh my goodness, why did they wake them up? And in my head, I'm just like going off. I'm just like, what is wrong with these people? Why would you do this? I'm like, don't you know that they were down there for a reason? What do you think you're going to get from summoning them back up here? Like, who did you think that you were calling up here? What what deal did you think you were going to make? What? And I was just frustrated because there was like this this multi-dimensional realization that whoever this guy was working for, like had been bringing these women here to try to see like um, a response to DNA to like activate this old site to bring back these old gods. But I don't know if gods are quite the right term for them it's not quite a god you know it's not quite an ancestor it, it's kind of like a, something else I don't really know how to con- like uh, to say the concept in English like you know not that I know it in a different language but it's something that I can't quite articulate with English what what they are, but they're not quite gods. They're not quite deified ancestors. They're not quite human. They're not quite extraterrestrial. They're like something else. And I was like, what? You know, I'm like, if you understood what these beings were, you would have never did this. Like there's a reason that they were where they were. That they're not here walking the earth, that they don't have a just an access point to this dimension. There's a reason. So I'm like, oh my gosh, the, these guys here, I'm like, this fool, this fool here, and whoever private organization he's working for, they are all fools. And then it changes, like just automatically it changes. And I don't know, because I've seen myself do this before in dreams where I just like jump somewhere else. I'm like, huh, I'm not dealing with that. Bye. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, peace out. I'm, I'm gone. <laughs> like, peace out. I'm gone. 
So I don't know if I jumped somewhere else or whatever, but but I was in this different scene where I was like, it's kind of funny. I was like in the car with this white family um, and there's like the dad was driving and the mom was sitting in the passenger seat and they had two kids in the back seat. You know, there's um, a little boy sitting behind the dad and a little girl sitting behind the mom. And I was in the middle and I was like kind of scrunched down, almost like I was like kind of hiding and like, like I wasn't sitting up straight. I was kind of like hiding a little bit and I was like kind of adjusting. And I was like, oh, okay, I must be the babysitter for these kids. And the dad was like driving along this like downtown kind of area, somewhere up north some type of downtown sort of area and we're going to like a movie theater downtown and I was gonna take the kids to go see a movie so he was bringing us to the movie theater and so I was like yeah this is much better because (laughs) I don't know what they got going on over there but I'm not interested in the foolishness I'm not here for the shenanigans um I don't want to be involved like you got me I didn't know what was going on you got me but whatever comes next I am not part of and so I'm like, yeah, I'm just going <laughs> to go do something else. Let me just take these kids to the movies. And so the little boy is talking to me. He's like, um, are adults happy? Like, do you think that most adults are happy? And I was like, unfortunately, no, I don't. But that doesn't mean that you can't grow up to be happy. Like, it's a very strange world. You have to really figure it out. You have to be aware. And he was like, yeah, because I'm thinking about the movie we're going to see. And I don't think the little girl is happy. And so I started thinking, and I realized that we're going to see a movie, and it was like this cute little animated movie with this cute little girl, and she kind of reminded me of, um, like, a mixture of, like, Patty from Charlie Brown, and also, like, um, from, uh, uh, what was that little cartoon, um, was it Us, or Inside Out, Inside Out. And, like, the blue girl, the one that, like, had, like, the glasses and she was kind of sneaky and she was, like, going to turn memories bad. She kind of looked like a mixture of those two girls. And, you know, she was young. She was, like, eight or something like that. And um, she was Magenta. Her name was Magenta. And she was, like, from somewhere else. And she landed in this city. And she was figuring out how to fit in. Like, her whole life was about how to fit in. Um, but when I saw her, there was like an overlay of like a pink planet, like a magenta planet. And so I was taking them to go see this movie. And so we get out of the car and I see the overlay of this huge planet. And I'm like, oh, I know that place. Um, and it was very interesting because my friend Linda, um, had actually had a dream about me being connected to this pink planet, this magenta planet. Um, and it's very fun because when I looked up like the pink planet, um, I did find a magenta colored planet and um, the number that they assigned it is actually the area code for New Orleans. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, I guess that must must be home, I guess. It was like this magenta planet. Um, and uh, yeah, and I was like, you know, this being with locks and stuff and I was like riding this donkey with like a palm branch or something like that in one hand and like I think a stalk of weed or something in the other hand and like I was like from the pink planet and I think that was before the dream she had of me being an Inuit girl which was very interesting but anyway so I was taking them to see this and it was like working out how to fit into a place that you don't 
feel like it's home. And so in this animated movie, it was teaching her how to make home where you are until you get back to your home. So instead of like running around and running away, you know, and like taking on this energy of that you don't fit in and that you never fit in, it was taking on the energy of like, how can I fit in and still be true to myself and still like remember my home, but make the best of me being at this city, in this city right now. Um, yeah, and then that was pretty much the end of the dream. Um, so it was a very interesting dream, and like I said, those three beings. Um, so there is a guy on YouTube that I listen to, um, and he was going into depth about the root races. Um, so I, I definitely know that, like, the, the obsidian guy, oh my gosh, and, like, it was just, like, this awe-spiring thing looking at him, because he was, like, this type of black that almost looked like a black marble like I, I don't even know how to describe it like it was almost matte but like a little bit of shine and it was a black that's just so unnatural on skin you know and I've seen like you know like the darkest model that they have or whatever and she's absolutely gorgeous and her skin is like it, it's almost confusing because you just like just don't expect it to be on a human being but his was like a whole nother I was just like what is this and I know that this guy said that these beings are associated to um, mercury and that they are probably the progenerators of the moors and they could be like the first root race and then I do know that he said that the second race was like the Asiatic race and like the Mongolians and they're like associated to orange so i think the first guy he said that their beings were like um so purple that they look black and then the asiatic beings were um i think orange oh oh they were so black they look purple and they were associated to grapes um, which is very interesting because I've had a lot of dreams about grapevines and like grapevines and ivy vines, like I guess poison ivy maybe, like transporting you to different dimensions. Like that's a thing. I don't, I don't know how, but it's a thing. Um, and then the Asiatic beings were like orange, I guess. Um, and they were associated to like orange, like citrus fruits and mangoes and different things like that. Um, and then I'm pretty sure he said the other ones were like the brown beings, which would be like the Native Americans and things like that. Uh, but like I said, this guy that I saw was Persian, Middle Eastern, you know, sort of North African, maybe uh, Imazik or, you know, quote unquote Berber, you know, mixed in like the Arab tribe people of North Africa, um, which could have an association to Native Americans, you know, to the aboriginals of America, of quote unquote America. Um, there probably is some kind of connection. I don't remember what fruit they were associated to. Um, but um, I have heard that. And I know that uh, I think Helena Blavatsky talks about the root races. I'm pretty sure she does talk about the root races. But she was a little racist, so I kind of stopped listening to <laughs> listening, but stopped reading her stuff. So I was like, yeah, mm, I don't know about that. Um, but I have heard that. So root races, beings being associated to different planets, which to me, it makes a lot of sense. Um, 
and I'm going to be wrapping up here soon, but it makes a lot of sense of like beings being associated to different planets, right? Because I have this theory that the earth and like this reality that we're in, whether it's third dimension or some other dimension, but whatever this construct is that we're in, I have a feeling that um, it like clearly earth was not at the time of the big bang because <laughs> we're not the oldest planet in the solar system like not even the milky way galaxy not even the thousands of other galaxies that they have um and so like in a hypothetical way everyone would be a star seed because nobody is quite aboriginal to earth because earth is not the oldest one right and so i'm like yeah that's interesting and um so I, I kind of feel like it doesn't make sense to me that there's like, you know, this concept of like one ultimate creator over all these thousands of galaxies, because in reality, there is no singularity. Um, like the singularity that there is, is a very abstract concept of like consciousness or energy that flows through everything like everything has like the simplest form that it possibly could be which i think they found something a little bit smaller than an atom but it's like that's like the one thing that's like consistent throughout everything and then as it gets bigger and things are added to it it starts to take on different forms and shapes and things like that um but it's kind of a misnomer to talk about like the one singularity because it's not ever just one of it do you know what i'm saying so i feel like there's a group of energies and i feel like they terraform this dimension and so earth is about like a accumulation of probably different beings from different star systems that figured out a way to terraform earth and this reality in some type of way i don't know if that makes sense but i feel like like, I don't know if I, I put the right words together to talk about the concept that I'm talking about, but hopefully that makes sense. <laughs> hopefully it portrays the visuals that I'm trying to portray here. Um, so, yeah, I know that these three beings were in some type of way associated to the Epic of Gilgamesh. Now, what my role was, you know, the Chinese girl's role was, the um south indian then caucasian woman's role was and stuff i'm not exactly sure um or specifically where we were because i feel like the easiest place to say is that like this bath the sacred bath space or whatever could have been in egypt but i guess it would make more sense to look at what was like in louisiana so i know that um i do have some ancestors who came from a plantation um, on the uh, Natchez, Mississippi, Vidalia, Louisiana border. Um, and I have, and it's the place that they are specifically from was called Concordia, which is very interesting because in mythology, <laughs> um, there is Concordia, which is the opposite of um, Harmonia, I believe which is Eris, the goddess of strife, and her counterpart was someone, I can't remember right now, um, but I think that Eris is a play on Iris, who is like later, you know, kind of blotted out by 
hernias. Um, but there's something about that. But anyways, Concordia. And there's something that I've read about the parish that was next to Concordia, which I can't remember what it's called, but they found giant bones out there. And then there's something about this Natchez, Mississippi line where I believe that the ancient Mayan civilization sat on or was connected to. Mayan, right? Ooh, let me look that up because I don't want to say that. Sometimes I interchange Mayan for Aztec and they're completely different. But I know that the Mayan Empire was... I think it was the Mayan. Let me just look it up right, right quick. Yeah, the Americas. Yeah, pre-Columbian Americas. Yeah. So it was probably some type of pyramid like that. But I, I like when I got up from the dream and I really thought about this area, what I saw was like this bath, this sacred bath situation, which kind of looked like... Um, you know, Kanye West and his, no one man should have all this power, you know, and you see, like, the woman, you know, those, um, geo, were those, uh, you know, his, okay, let me center my brain, because I'm going in a lot of different directions, <laughs> uh, geo something perfume commercials, and they had his Greek mythology um, theme commercials with his music behind it. Um, and then you'd have, like, the woman, and she would, like, all the gods would be seeing her, and she'd be, like, on some type of one-way, and she was, like, a quote-unquote mortal woman. Um, and they'd be looking at her, and she was, like, walking into a bath. It kind of looked like that, like a sacred bath or something, um, which I don't really remember what sacred baths were used for, but I guess baptism cleansing or something. I don't know. Um, but it was like that. And I knew that there's a pyramid that sat on top of it. I didn't actually see the pyramid, but there was like a pyramid that sat on top of it. There's a pyramid that sat on top of it and the bath was underneath the pyramid. So it must've been like, a, you know, because it was super deep where it could be like an underground bath, I guess, or something. But it wasn't like a standalone sort of thing. Like there was a te- like a temple, but it was like a pyramid or something that was supposed to go on top of it. And I could like see it kind of hovering above the ground. Um, but yes, there's a pyramid that's supposed to be on top of it. Um, and that pyramid did not have a capstone. It was like one of those pyramids where the top is flat, like a square too. Um, I guess kind of like the Mayan temples and stuff, but they're supposed to be a capstone. Like, it's not supposed to be a square at the top of it. It's supposed to be another triangle sitting on top of it. But I couldn't I couldn't visualize the triangle that was supposed to be on top, so I don't know where the triangle was. But I could see the pyramid, though. So, anyways, I thought that that dream was fun, and hopefully it starts to bring you some type of wisdom and has some type of relevance to your life as well. You start looking into it. Epic of Gilgamesh is really deep. Like, I'm going to go read it again, too, because it is so deep. And when they talk about, when I hear people talking about, like, the ancient Babylon mythology, you know, Anunnaki's, you know, or, like, a race of, you know, beings that were controlling humans and stuff like that, you know, like, there are certain elements of the Epic of Gilgamesh story that they, like, just do not touch on. 
like not just a mainstream common knowledge that really should be talked about. Um, it's it's really crazy, actually. So I just recommend that in general um, to go and read it. It's really good. And Metamorphosis, too, to go and read that as well, because it's really, really deep and insightful. Um, and I do want to just say this just randomly. It's not random because it's connected to what I'm talking about with the Anunnaki's. Um, but, sorry, I'm like going in and out of the store. The world is still my uh, my studio space. Um, but I did have a very, very clear dream. I had two dreams that were very short that I do want to say before I get off of here. Um, the first dream that I want to say is that I was living in New Orleans on Orle- um, Orleans Avenue, on Ursuline Avenue, which has a very deep French history with Ursuline nuns and stuff like that. Very deep history. Um, and there was a black man, like an African-American man with long dreads that came through my um, back door of my house into my kitchen. And I was standing there and <laughs> I'm like, man, I'm like, what's up, man? Who are you? And he was like, you don't know who I am. And I was like, clearly, I do not know who you are. Like, no. And he was like, the Rothschild? And when he said that, I was so baffled and speechless. I was like, the Rothschilds are white. (laughs) He was like, you haven't done enough research and I'm not bad. Okay, bye. And so he just walked out and I was like, what? Aren't they white? Like, I mean, I mean, white is a construct. It's not really a thing, but you know, like, aren't they Caucasian or something? You know, Jewish and like, but he was clearly making it known that. Um, there is a black branch of Rothschilds and he kind of gave me the feeling of like um, that maybe they were closer to the original or at least that there is a huge African aspect that is not talked about that is just as uh, intricate to the Rothschild um, I don't know uh, just as intricate to the Rothschild uh, I want to say mythology, but Rothschild situation as Jewish counterparts. Um, but then after that, I did have a dream about Anunnaki's, and there was this being who I'm assuming was Anunnaki, who was like sitting down and he was like talking to me, um, and he was like leading, and I was like, yeah, what's that? <laughs> and he was like, do you really think that a superior race would? take their own DNA and create an inferior race? And I was like, yeah, that really don't make sense. And he was like, yeah, no, that, that's not a thing. And that dream is actually what sparked me to go read the epic of Gilgamesh. Because I was like, okay, so there's something here that we're not missing. I mean, there's something here that's being missed. Now, I do have a theory on what he meant um, and I'm not going to go too much into it, but um, what I do think that he meant is that there were different creations. Um, but the creation that most people are talking about um, were actually created to be, you know, even though this term is usually associated to like uh, super soldiers and stuff, um, they're actually 
trying to create like a superhuman, like a superhuman suit to incarnate into in order to interact with the physical world. Um, But I do believe that there was a slave race, but the slave race was not created with their DNA. Um, So I do want to say that too, because that was actually the dream that sparked me to go read the Epic of Gilgamesh for myself to kind of see what this Anunnaki thing. And it's actually funny because I got the inspiration to go read it after I had this dream, but I actually at the time didn't necessarily know that the Anunnaki's were going to be present in Epic of Gilgamesh story. So it was like a very, it was like an interesting surprise when I got to the Anunnaki and they explained who the Anunnaki's were. And I was like, oh, well, that makes sense. And it makes sense why people associate them to evil as well. Nobody likes, um, nobody likes the judges, you know? Like, there's, you know, in a sense, galactic law and things like that. And there's enforcers. And nobody likes the enforcers. But I'll give you just a little hint that, in general, um, if you're, hi, if you are, um, you know, being a good person and doing good things, you don't ever have to really encounter the enforcers, you know, um, definitely, uh, not in that capacity, so, that is all that I have, I'm about to go upstairs and go with my, uh, go do my motherly duties, and I will be back in another podcast soon. Um, So I'm sending you lots of love and lots of insights and hoping that this helps to unlock some things in your brain so that the world makes a little bit more sense. Bye.